time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. My name's Aaron Stern. It's a privilege to be here. Uh, David Perkins and I have been doing, and it's been a privilege to be a part of Desperation Conference. And uh, I remember the very first one. And uh, God is breathing on this generation. God is doing an amazing work in the hearts of young people. And it's, a, it's so amazing to watch an awakening, awakening of the Holy Spirit in each one of us. And I just pray that as we talk here this morning, that there is seeds that go into our hearts that aren't just a, wow, I had a great weekend seeds, but they're seeds that produce fruit. They go down deep into the soil of God and they say, my life is all yours. The devil would love for everything about your life to not be true. All of that that I just described, would, he would love for that to not be true of you. He would love for these seeds to go on bad soil. He'd love for these seeds this weekend, this time, the time that you go to church, the time that you're reading the Bible, the time that you experience God. He'd love for all of that to mean nothing. And he'd love for you to be 20, 25, 30, 35, 50, not walking with God. He would love that. You know that the enemy has a plan for your life. We talk about God has a plan for your life and he wants the best for your life and he wants you to walk with him and he wants you to experience the joy and the power of the Holy Spirit for your heart to be transformed. But the enemy has a plan for your life as well. And his plan is for you to compromise. Compromise your family, compromise your faith, compromise your friends, compromise your life. He's not here just to kind of knock you down and kind of punch you on the arm a little bit. The enemy wants to take you out. It says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a soft little kitten, hoping he just scares you a little bit. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. He's looking to devour you. John 10, verse 10, the enemy is looking for someone to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his plan. If that's his plan, that's his end goal, it would really be helpful to know how he's going to do it. Not too long ago, I was driving down I-25. I-25 is the main interstate that goes through Colorado Springs, north to south. And uh, I, was dry, I live downtown, and so as I was driving up uh, towards the church, towards my office, there are in the middle of the freeway these big, huge Jumbotron signs. I don't know if you have them where you live or if you've been down I-25 and seen them. These are these huge Jumbotron screens. And and they'll oftentimes alert you about, you know, an accident ahead uh, or, or some sort of, you know, road construction that's either happening or going to be happening soon. Uh, those types of things. Well, one day I was driving 
up to the, my office and on the big jumbotron screen was this message, speed trap ahead. And I, I thought, what? That doesn't seem like it's very, like much of a trap. <laughs> speed trap ahead, watch your speed. Okay. And then not long after that, there was this row of motorcycle cops. And then not long after that, there was this row of motorcycle cops pulling people over. And I thought, did you not see the, the sign back there that said these guys were waiting for you? I mean, the letters, the size of my house, speed trap ahead. It's not like they were like little fine print. Huge. Now, you'd think if it was a real trap... That they wouldn't even put the sign out there, you know. We're just going to kind of hide off in the bushes and put a speed trap, you know, the, the speed gun or whatever, radar gun, and then we're going to nab you. At the end of the week, I was watching the news, and the news said that that week there was a record number of tickets given out on I-25. All week, that sign was there, speed trap ahead. And I thought, how dumb are we? The sign was right there. Do we just think, oh, I'm sure that's a joke. That is a joke. Oh, that's good. That's good. Woo. I haven't heard of people getting pulled over twice that week. So they saw it, ignored it, got a ticket, drove down the next day, saw it, ignored it again, and got another ticket. I wonder if there isn't actually a a sign of what the devil is going to or wants to do for us. We kind of think that, oh, there's this trap and I just got to watch out because he's going to pounce out of the bushes. What if there's actually a big, huge jumbotron sign that says, hey, I'm the devil and this is what I'm going to do to try to trap you and kill you and make you compromise? What if... What if it is not what if it is a little more clear than than we think? What if it is pretty bold? It's like these big huge letters back on these walls. It's So I want to just take a few minutes this morning and talk about what that sign might actually say to each one of us. And in order to do that, I think we need to look at who our enemy is. If we look into John chapter 8, Verse 44, this is Jesus speaking and he's talking to some people here and he says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. And then he begins to describe this enemy, this devil, and he says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native Language. In another translation, it says he's speaking out of his nature. It is who he is, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The enemy is a liar. He's a deceiver. We see it from the very beginning. If we go back to the very first chapter in Genesis, and we have God creating the world, we move on, and God says, don't eat of the tree. And what happens? Chapter 3, serpent comes in, and what does he try to do? Lie. 
did God really say that? I mean, I'm sure that's not what God really meant. And we read those and we think, oh man, Eve, couldn't you have, you know, been a little smarter? Adam, why were you so dumb? But I wonder if that happens to us, if this is the door of our heart right here. And the enemy. Uh, yeah. Um, hi, I'm the devil. And uh, I'm here to kill you. But I, I, I got to tell you something. You know, um, you should try something. Oh, come on in. Welcome, glad you're here. And we just welcome him in. Well, you know, you should try this. It's going to be awesome. I mean, did God really say that you shouldn't do this? Did God really say that? Did he really say that? I mean, I think that God is really trying to steal your fun. He, he didn't really mean that. I mean, just God forgives you. I mean, he'll, he won't care. It's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. So let's just... Let's just have some fun. I mean, did God really say that it wasn't good for you to sleep with your boyfriend or sleep with your girlfriend or go out and do this or be there or disobey or have this attitude? Or, I mean, did God really say that? And the same words, deceive. He's just being who he is and always has been, a liar. He's lying to you, and we just, yeah, so, oh, come, yeah, come on in. Oh, that sounds awesome. Okay. He makes this promise, just like he did in Genesis chapter 3. You will be like God. You will be, and his promise might not be, hey, you'll be like God, but, oh, you'll feel so much better. Oh, this is going to be awesome. You'll be popular. You'll be accepted. You'll be fill in the blank. If you do this, and he promises something that he cannot deliver. He promises something that he says is better than God's reality for you. I'm going to promise this to you. It's for you. I promise this. It's awesome. It's awesome. You're like, oh, man, wow. You're probably right. And we exchange the truth of God for a lie. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're probably right. And then we go ahead and follow through. And all of a sudden, yeah. Oh, hi, it's you again. Come on in. And what does he come in? He says, you are such an idiot. How could you have just done that? See, Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 talks about the enemy. 
It says, then I heard a voice in heaven say, now have, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of the Messiah. And then he starts to talk about what's going to happen and who he, who, who, what's going to happen to the devil. It says, for the accuser of my brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Again, he's talking about Satan. Actually, that word Satan comes from the word hasatan, which means accuser. He is a liar and then he deceives you and and tricks you into doing something that he says is going to be good for you. And then he comes and knocks on your door again and says, you are so dumb. You are so dumb. How could you have been so dumb? And he's telling you that you're stupid and you're dirty and you're an idiot. And how can you call yourself a Christian? And you open the door. And he starts to accuse you for the things that he wanted you to do. Deceive, accuse. I mean, what is wrong with you? How could you have done that? You did what? And you call yourself a Christian. I mean, you went to desperation last week. And you did what? You are supposed to be a leader in the youth group and you are pathetic. Accusation, accusation, accusation. All about the things that he says were going to be awesome. And embarrassment, disappointment, fear and guilt. And the big, bad, bad, big daddy of them all, shame right on top of us. The enemy would love for us to carry shame around. To carry it around. Oh, I am so, I am pathetic. I cannot believe, I, I don't know that I can go to church for probably a couple weeks. I mean, I got to clean myself up before I can go back there and come to God. You know, God, I'll I'll be back when I... And this shame, the thing about shame is it grows in the dark. We so often want to just tuck these things away in our hearts, close the door, lock the door, put it away and not ever let anybody see it. And we're just, well, if I could just keep it over here never going to do that again. I just won't tell anyone. The problem is that shame grows in the dark. And the enemy would love nothing more for you just to keep it there and just carry it around. And so then you start to carry a little bit of this shame and these things that the enemy is trying to get you to carry around and Another little knock at the door. Who is it? Oh, hi. Yeah, hi. Uh, you're feeling really bad about yourself, aren't you? Uh, yeah, horrible. Wow, that is too bad. Uh, you know, you should try something. Because I think if you do this, you'll feel better about yourself. I mean, you're feeling pretty bad about yourself, aren't you? Horrible. Well, um, 
Can I, can I come in? Oh, yeah, 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 sure, oh, sure, come on in. Well, you know, I mean, it, you feel so bad. If you try this, this will make you feel better. Or you did it once, you might as well just do it again. I mean, have some fun. Uh, you might as well just, just forget about it. I mean, just do something to make yourself forget about it. So you don't have to worry about it anymore. I mean, you might as well stop thinking about it. I know you're thinking about it a lot. So, wow, you're right. Maybe that's a good idea. Deceive, accuse, and now he just turns back around and becomes the deceiver again. Building on the accusation and the shame he threw at you already. You did what with your girlfriend? You did what with your boyfriend? You know, maybe you should try this. This will help you feel better. Why don't you just go do it again? I mean, you did it once. You might as well. You've already blown it. Let's forget it. Let's forget it. I mean, it's kind of like one strike and you're out, right? So let's, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's not a big deal. Might as well. I mean, already kind of made a mess. So I might as well, what's a little bit more? All right. Cool. And you do that. And uh, right as soon as you do it, it's amazing how the door, knock at the door again. Oh, wow, knock at the door. I wonder who that is. Oh, hi. See you again. Yeah, um, I can't believe you did that. You, you are so dumb. Ah, you are pathetic. I mean, you call yourself a Christian. You think that you're, like, actually able to do this. You, you know what, I think, and this little cycle starts to go around and around and around. He says, you, you can't not do this anymore. This, yeah, I mean... You're just over and over. Let's do it again. I mean, that'll probably make you feel better, won't it? And he says, I got a gift for you. Wow, okay, come on in. I, I love gifts. You just get marked. Let's just mark you. I mean, you are, you're messed up. I mean, you, this is, you're a disaster. So, I mean, you might as well just walk around with this mark all over you that you're just a mess. You can't do it. You're pathetic. This is kind of who you are. So you might as well just say, this is what I'm, I'm marked by these things. These things that I've been doing. These things that I've been caught in. These things that I've thought we're going to turn into something, haven't turned into something, but I guess, I mean, look at me, look at the mess I've started to make, look at my friends, I'm hurting my friends, I've hurt this, I've made a mess, so this is just who I am. He says, X marks the spot, look, that's you, you, just, this is you. And we get increasingly helpless, thinking, I don't know what to do, I don't know how to go anywhere. And the knocks at the door, around and around. Knock, knock, yeah. 
hey, I got something. I think this is really going to make you feel better. Oh, really? Okay. Really? You think so? Because I feel really bad right now. I feel really terrible. Oh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Oh, man. All right, let me try that. Wow, I feel good for just a little bit. And then I don't even think we knocks anymore because we just leave the door open. It's just a wide open revolving door. And, you know, you just come in. Oh, hi, how are you? How's it going? Oh, yeah, the guests just, yeah, let yourself in. Um, yeah, and here he is. You are a disaster. You're pathetic. You can't even call your, you know, I don't even think that God loves you. I mean, God doesn't want to be around you, let alone anybody else. You should just forget your small group. You should forget your youth group. You should forget your church. I mean, you can't go there. Look at what you are. And it's not just what you did anymore. Now the enemy is trying to accuse you into believing that you are this thing. You're not just doing things that are wrong. You are wrong. You're not just a cheat. You, you didn't just cheat on something. You are a cheater. You didn't, you're not just doing some perverted things. You are a pervert. You're not just lying somewhere. You are a liar. And this is who you are. And if he can just say, and get us to come into this place where we believe it, and then we say, well, I guess that's who I am, so I might as well just do it, and I guess I'll just live in it. I can't get out of it. I mean, look, it's here, it's on me. And we just have this revolving door. Deceive, accuse, deceive, accuse, deceive. Oh, you should try this. Oh, you should try this. Oh, it's going to be awesome. You can do it. Did God really say accuse? You are so dumb. I can't believe you. You're pathetic. Oh, you should try this. This will make you not feel so dumb and not so pathetic. This is going to be, try it, try it. Oh, that was not bad. Okay. Oh, you are an idiot. You are so dirty. You should, how can, you should dodge your accountability group. Oh, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. Oh, try this. This will make you feel better. Maybe you get some new friends and deceive and accuse and deceive and accuse. Jumbotron screen deceiver, accuser, speed trap ahead. He's being who he is. A deceiver, a liar, accuser, it's who he is. And some of you are listening and you can hear those words. You can hear him saying, you should just try it. Maybe you feel like you've got this. And his goal is to isolate you. And get you to a place where you're by yourself. A few years ago, I went to Africa. And I was on a, went on a little safari to the Ngorgor Crater in Tanzania. It's this huge, it basically looked like a big mountain with the top cut off. And then hollowed out. And you drive up to the edge of the mountain and then drive into this huge crater. Can't even see the other side of it. And inside this crater is zebras and lions and flamingos and amazing, spectacular beauty. And so we're driving around in this big, huge safari truck. And, and as we're driving around... Really what everyone wants to see and is the most difficult to get a, a, a little glimpse of is the lion, king of the beasts. There's zebras everywhere, flamingos more than you can count, uh, and, and it's the lion. And these, these safari truck drivers communicate with one another. So when, 
when they say, hey, there's a lion over on wherever or this particular area, all the safari trucks start making their way towards that area. While we were in our safari truck, probably a group of about eight or 10 of us and and the roof comes off or you can kind of stick your head out of the roof and take pictures and all that kind of thing. And we get the call, lions spotted in such and such an area. So we, and we head over and there's probably 20 trucks all in this circle. And these truck drivers are, you know, kind of squeezing in next to each other. People are climbing up on top of their safari jeeps. There's this lion, just a couple of lions just laying there, just. So I started asking about these lions. Do you ever see the lions? These are guy questions. Do you ever see the lions like kill anything? Do they kill zebras, gazelles? What do they, what do they, how does that look? What is, what's, he said, oh yeah, we see that. And then he started to go on and talk about the eating habits of the lion and how they get their prey. So they'll hang out kind of in the grass, tall grass, outside of a herd of zebras. And they're just waiting as that herd moves along. If there's a straggler, it's kind of hanging out on the outside. That's the one they go for. And so is this deceive and accuse rotating circle happens. You know what he's trying to do to you? Just be a straggler. So he, the roaring lion, looking for whom he might devour, can kill you. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to give you a picture of what the enemy, the enemy is real. In Ephesians, it talks about standing up to the enemy. We have all authority over the enemy. We might think, oh, wow, that's a, that his plan is working in my life. Or I've seen that plan work in my friend's life or in my family's life. He's real, but our God is bigger. And so as much as his plan might work sometimes, we don't have to just say, well, I, I guess just hope that I'm not the slowest one in the group. I hope that I hope somebody else is more of a straggler out there so the lion gets him and not me. And so what do we do? A couple of things. First of all, we need to run to God. See, what's happening in this story, in this little door, is it's just you. We've got to say, God, I need you. I need you to open that door. And so I'm just going to run to you. Hebrews chapter uh, 4 verse 16 says, Then let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Why? So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Uh, hey, how's it going? Uh, yeah, hang on, hang on. Help God. Uh, God, I need your help. Not because he's bigger than you, but because without you, I'm going to get eaten and I need you. And if you've been going and allowing that you got your doors wide open, you might not even feel like you got a door anymore. He just ripped the door off. And he says, I just, he didn't even come around and knock anymore. He just camping out in the living room. 
run to God. Repent. God, I confess my need for you. Give this to you, but I need you to help me. The second thing is to recognize that lies got you in and truth will get you out. If lies got you in, if deception got you into this, lie, truth will get you out. So first of all, you got to close that door. All right, next time that door knocks, going to be ready because he's going to come lying. That deceiver is going to come around. I saw that speed trap jumbo sign thing. It was blinking and flashing huge letters. And the enemy, hey, uh, hey, dumb, dumb, dumb sinner. Hey, you, idiot, pathetic Christian, knock, open the door. This time, you've been sinking your teeth into Romans chapter 6. Where it says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him. So that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Hey, you should try this. I mean, this is going to be awesome. Um, Hey, I died with Christ. And um, you know what that means? Not a slave to sin. For we know that since Christ is raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves. Okay, in the same way, me, count myself. Dead to sin. Wow. Okay, I'm, I'm, dead, I'm dead to sin. That deceiver doesn't have power over me. He's still going to talk. But I, I can still hear him. But it doesn't mean that I have to listen and believe. He's not going to stop knocking. He's not going to stop coming to the, your, the door of your heart. He is not going to, oh, oh, oh. She said yes to Jesus. Is that doors off limits? You didn't mean that. That was, yeah, it was just an emotional experience. Okay. Quiet down. I'm reading. I'm I'm sinking my teeth into Romans chapter 6. Verse 12, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so, so that you obey its evil desires. God, I don't have to obey its evil desires. I'm tempted. The door is knocking. It feels like it's shaking. My house is shaking. God, I need help. Running to your throne of grace. By time of need, I need help. Verse 13, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Oh, hey, 
no, 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 you don't understand. Hey, I've been brought from death to life. I was dead inside. Oh man, you are so dumb. I was dead inside, but you know what? Jesus, because of the cross, brought me from dead to alive. Dead to alive. Hey, take that. Sit down on the porch. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. Do not offer any part of yourself. Rather, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him. To him. Come on, come do this. I got something for you. No, 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 no. I'm not offering myself to you. I'm offering myself to God for righteousness. He's going to use me as an instrument of righteousness. You're trying to use me as an instrument of death and wickedness. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. You're like, oh, but I really want to open that door. He's really good at this lying thing. And Okay, Romans chapter 6. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Okay, I'm under grace. God is at work in me. God is at... Okay, I got to do something here. Hey, uh, Jesus did something on the cross for me. So uh, he... Let's see here, devil. Yeah, um, got a little present for you. Um, you know what? I am, I'm not a slave to, 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 to sin anymore. I'm a slave to righteousness. And um, you hear those nails? Those nails nailed my king to the cross. And he nailed the king to the cross so that I could nail this door shut. So that I could say that I'm not a slave to sin. Sin doesn't have to have power in my life. I can be a slave to righteousness. I don't have to be a slave to sin. When you come along and try and tell me who I am, I can tell you, no, you know what? That's not true. Ha ha. Open that door. Open that door because you know who I am? I'm a child of God. I'm the son of God. I have righteousness inside of me. I'm alive. I'm not dead. I have been bought with a price so you can knock all you want. Oh, come on, come on. Open up, open up. Housekeeping, housekeeping. No, 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 not going to work. Not going to work because I'm a slave to sin. This door has already been opened and it's been opened to the power of Jesus Christ in my life. He's here. You don't belong here. You can keep knocking and I know you're going to keep knocking. And you're going to keep talking. And you're going to keep trying to deceive and to accuse. And I might try to pull some of these, these little nails out to open this door. But you know what? It's the power of God in me. I'm going to walk in who I am. I'm going to chew on Romans chapter 6 a little bit more. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart. The pattern of teaching that was now claimed, that has now claimed your allegiance. So now... You say, you know what? You might have said that this marked me. Do you know what marks me now? Marked by the cross. I'm marked by the cross. Yeah, you know what? I know I did do those things. I was dumb. I did think that you were telling me the truth. And I carried that around for a little bit. And that is part of my story. And that is things that I have done. This is who I am. This is who I am. I'm not marked by the things that I've done or even the things that I will do, but I am marked.
by the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm a slave to righteousness. I'm not a slave to sin. Verse 18, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. You know why I don't need to open this door? I'm a slave to righteousness. You're a slave to righteousness. If you have said yes to Jesus and he has turned your heart from dead to alive, you're a slave to righteousness. So when that devil comes knocking along, know that it's this big jumbotron screen. Deceiver coming up ahead. Accuser coming up next. Deceive, accuse, deceive, accuse, deceive, accuse. Jumbotron screen. So when you start hearing the voice of the deceiver talking in his native language, saying to you, try this, try this. And then maybe, oh, I've been soaking myself into Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 50, verse seven, you say, hey, hey devil, got something else for you. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. I know that you want to give me a bucket load of shame. Therefore, I have set my face like flint. And I know I will not be put to shame. I won't be put to shame. Because Christ has lifted my head. Because Christ has marked me with the cross. Because Christ has marked me with the blood of Jesus. Because Christ has made me a slave to righteousness and no longer a slave to sin. You can try, and I know you will, but I am going to stand. I'm going to stand. And I'm going to stand as a 16-year-old. And I'm going to stand as a 17-year-old. And I'm going to stand as an 18. And maybe when you're 18 or 19 or 20 or 25 or 35, you feel like it's an all-out artillery attack. It's not a knock at the door. It's like... Rocket launchers at your door. You say, you know what? If it was just me, by myself, that door would come flying open. Hmm. But it's not just me. It is not just me. I got the power of Jesus Christ inside of me. Holy Spirit of God says in the book of Titus, it says, who will empower us to say no to unrighteousness? Can you say no? Maybe if you've got some discipline, sometimes. Will you always be able to? Only with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's inside of us. Holy Spirit seals that door, locks that door, nails that door shut because of the cross Jesus, marked by the cross. Let's stand up. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit of God, we need you. We're desperate for you. We are desperate for you. On our own, we cannot do it. I pray for each person in here today, including myself, that we would run to you. That we would run to your throne of grace with boldness in our time of need, knowing that you are a gracious and merciful God. Longing to give mercy and grace 
to be at work in our lives. Help us to run to you, not just when we think we can't make it by ourselves, but every day. Run to you. Run to the truth of the word of God. Help us to identify the lies that we've believed as truth, the things that we've heard in our heads that say, you're not worth it. You're You've been left. God's not with you. God's abandoned you. May we respond with the truth of God's word that says, no, 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 no. I I believed that before and I I might not always feel it. I don't always feel like it's always true, but you know what, what is true? My God will never leave me and he'll never forsake me. You know what else is true? It's the fact that I've been accepted by the God of the universe. Not just as some sort of like, oh yeah, you did good enough, but adopted as son, as adopted as daughter. I don't always feel that way, but I know it's true. So I'm gonna live in what's true and not what you say is gonna make me feel better. Okay, the cross. All centered around the work of Jesus and the cross. Help us to know who we are. When the enemy tries to slap this mark on us that says this is what you are and this is what you've done and you're determined and identified by what you've done we say no uh uh-uh I'm identified by what he did I'm identified by what the son of God did for me died and rose again and came and gave life and made me a slave to righteousness I know I don't always do righteous things but I'm a slave to righteousness and so I know that's where I am going that's who I am Help us to walk in that, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit of God, help us walk in that. Help us believe the truth. Help us. In the powerful name of Jesus. time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did, because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart, they've got passion for God, they're leading intercession on their schools, they're set apart, consecrated under God, and they've got a vision and a mission for their life.